Let's pray. Father, we come to you, and tonight, on this eve of another celebration of what occurred in 54 BC, was the birth of your son, Emmanuel. You with us in human flesh, <laughs> dwelling among us. It was clear that we, the humanity, we, the humans of this globe, could not save ourselves. It took you entering time and space to provide a means for salvation. And on this eve, we stand looking at this little baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. We recognize, huh, this is the one. This is the one that Israel longed to see. It's the one foretold in Micah and other prophets such as Isaiah that our Redeemer would come. Lord, we thank you. Guide us as we go to the text this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible, if you're following online, we're in Luke chapter 2. I promise it's just a short message, but I think it's an important one that we stop and reflect on the Christmas story. It's a familiar one. In fact, I would say if we stopped most people on the street and said, hey, tell me the, the key elements of the birth of Jesus, they would walk us through the account. But unfortunately, with familiarity, the story is sometimes embellished. And one of those areas is when it comes to the shepherds. I often hear, oh, well, they're the, the, the ones that were on the margins of society. They're the ones no one liked. They were the poor, the dirty. And yet, is that a true assessment of the first century and how shepherds were viewed? And more significant in the storyline, when you look at the Gospel of Luke, he gives us two verses that are given in recording the birth of Jesus. There are 13 verses for the shepherds. 13. Why? Why are these guys part of the account of the first Noel? What's so significant about a group of shepherds? So if you would, turn to Luke 2, verse 8, and we're going to answer, hopefully, those questions here. It says in 2.8, there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. There are several important things here that are noted by the gospel writer, Dr. Luke. He tells us, first of all, they're nearby, they're, they're in the fields, which tells us the time frame. You say, well, how's that? Because weather determined shepherding. It did then, it does today in, in Israel or Palestine. And that is that when it's cold, that is December, early January, the sheep are brought in from the hills and brought close to the village where they can be kept and watched. Remember, a shepherd is to care for their flock. And so the proximity here to the village is very important. Bethlehem is only about five to six miles from Jerusalem. It's not far. In fact, many believe some of these little bobos are going to be used for sacrificial lambs at the temple. And we're told they're keeping guard at night. According to Proverbs, 
uh, 27, it states shepherds are responsible for feeding, watering, and protecting their sheep. Evenings were extremely precarious. We used to raise rabbits, and the coyotes didn't attack at the daytime. They came at night. There's more than once my dad went and I went running out in our PJs, chasing away those wild animals for the sake of our sweet little rabbits. And here's the sheep that these shepherds are watching over and caring for. It's their responsibility. They're, they're used to unexpected visitors, I suspect. Wolves, even lions in the first century. But not this visitor. The text tells us that the angel of the Lord, the name is not given. Is this Gabriel who appeared to Mary earlier in chapter 1, perhaps? But an angel of the Lord appears to them. And the text tells us the glory of the Lord shone around about them. Glory is a key word to Dr. Luke. He uses it 22 times, and that's far more than Matthew and Mark use the term combined. It, the term occurs four times just in chapter 2. It, it's a term that is usually linked with Christ and salvation, which I think is very significant. But our angel has a proclamation to the shepherds. He's not just there to scare them, right? In fact, he says, don't be afraid. Notice in the text, he gives us several things, this announcement from the angel. He says, first of all, don't be afraid. Uh, this is an important announcement, and I need you to listen, is what the angel is saying. It's the same verbiage given to Zacharias when he's, he meets the angel of the Lord at the temple, or Mary. She's told as well, do not be afraid. It, it, it lets us know something is significant is about to happen. The pronouncement also says, listen, I, I have something to tell you. It reminds me of one of my professors at seminary. He would often say, listen up. This is important. And when he said that, you better listen up. So this is an angel. And the angel says, I have a message for you. It's interesting, it says, to proclaim to you good news. So significant. That's the same term used elsewhere and it's translated the gospel. What is the gospel? Mark starts his whole narrative. This is the gospel about, of, from, it is Jesus. That's what it's about. This is the good news I have for you, the angel proclaims. And in fact, states the good news that brings, and I love this, great joy. There's another term that Luke loves to use. You'll see joy peppered throughout the entire gospel of Luke. It starts with joy. It ends with joy. When the disciples see the Lord ascend, it says they return to Jerusalem with great joy. It's a sign of the, the, the coming of the Messiah. It's the, the end. This is what we've longed for. And I love this. It's great joy, this message is to all the people. <laughs> it's not just for the elite, it, it, the powerful or, or the wealthy. It's not a message for the righteous. It's not a message just for the Jews, the males, or the young. In fact, as he states, this message is for everyone. And what does that announcement mean? Until he gives us the content in verse 11. Today, your Savior. Did you catch the preposition or the um, pronoun? Your Savior. Isn't that great? 
Your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. Notice the titles that the angel gives to the little baby that's just been born in Bethlehem. He's called Savior. That term is usually used in the Old Testament to refer to God Almighty. This is the one that will deliver the one they longed for. And the Savior, we're told, is in the city of David. How appropriate. <laughs> because a promise was made to David back in 2 Samuel that David, your descendants, they will, one of them will come and will ultimately reign on the throne and rule. It's Bethlehem where David was anointed. It's where David was born. And that's where Jesus, the descendant of David, is also born. The angel tells us not only is he the Savior, but he is the Meshua. He is the Christ. <laughs> he is the one that is the heir to the throne. Remember what Gabriel told Mary? You will give birth to a son, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. A promise made in 1100 B.C., to the, to the people of Israel is that someday a descendant of David will sit on the throne. Here it is. This is what they've longed for, this Savior, this Meshua, and he's also referred to as Lord, which is very significant. It too is used only of God in the Old Testament. I think what the New Testament writer and the angel, and what they're highlighting here is that this Jesus is also God. He's the God-man who has come down and took on flesh and dwelt among us. And so he's called Lord. It's a title that will occur. It's the first time it occurs in Luke's gospel, but it will be seen several times in the narrative. It becomes a key Christological title to Jesus. And so we see these shepherds who, who are privy to this message, and you ask, why them? Why didn't the angel appear to the religious rulers in Jerusalem and say, hey, your Messiah is here? Why not the, the dear sweet folks in Bethlehem? Hey, get them a room, All right? This doesn't work. No, you, you selected shepherds? Why shepherds? They're out in the fields. They got work to do. And again, there are those who argue, well, they're the despised. They're on the margins of society. The problem is that isn't true. Shepherds were highly esteemed in the first century. Moses was seen as a shepherd. And, and that was applauded throughout Israel's history. And Jacob as well. Yes, they were lowly in the sense that they weren't the in, in crowd, but never despised. I think there's something far more significant going on here in the text. Based upon the Old Testament and traditions surrounding the King David, the Jewish people were expecting one after the line of David who would serve as the shepherd Messiah. The one who would rule over and shepherd the flock of God, the people of God. You say, oh, I don't know, Hophet, it's where you get something like that. Well, let me turn to the book of Micah. This is one of the minor prophets. It's written in the 8th century B.C. 8th century B.C. And I want you to hear what it says to Israel. They're being spanked 
and they're told in the midst of the, the discipline from God, there's a promise that's given. In Micah 5, 2 it says, but you, O Bethlehem, <laughs> from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, and he shall stand, and listen to what the text says, this is 700 and some years before Christ, he will shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Huh. What do the angels declare? Look what the angels declare. What does it say? Glory to God in high and on earth peace among people. No, the shepherds are perfect. Because what they do is they, they show us that this one who has been born is to shepherd Israel, to shepherd all. And you say, well, would that prophecy been understood in the first century? You better believe it because when we get to uh, Matthew chapter two, when the Magi come and they're followed the star and they're looking for this king of the Jews, they ask Herod, Herod freaks out because he doesn't know. So he, he gets the religious rulers and says, hey, where is this Messiah to be born? And what do they do? They turn to Micah 5.2 in Bethlehem. They knew it was an expectation not the birth of the Messiah among shepherds, but the birth of the Messianic shepherd king. And so I would again argue these shepherds only reiterate who this little baby is who's just been born in the city of David. They highlight he is our shepherd, our savior, Jesus. In John chapter 10, Jesus tells the crowd, listen to what he says, I am the good shepherd. Isn't that great? The Lord himself understood. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not know the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves. I mean, he's scared spitless, right? And so the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. He repeats it. And Jesus says, I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for my sheep. I think it's perfect that 13 verses are highlighting these shepherds who've got this revelation that tells us, yes, this is the one you have longed for, O Israel. This is your shepherd who brings you peace. No wonder it's full of great joy. And the announcement states in verse 12, and there'll be a sign for you to these shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. They knew a lot about mangers. Oh yes, okay, we can understand that. <laughs> there's, there's no palace for this messianic shepherd. There's no medical team, no beautifully blue embroidered blankets or a newly decorated nursery. Rather, the king of the Jews, the Christ, the Lord, is wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a feeding trough. <laughs> the text doesn't end there, though. It says in verses 13 and 14 to only reiterate that this is the message a whole host of angels declare, glory to God in the highest and on earth 
peace among people with whom he is pleased. It's an earth-shattering message. <laughs> it's peace. It's what this world longs for. It's what they longed for in the first century, and I would argue we long for it today. We've created whole movements, the peace movement. <laughs> We've got symbols calling for peace. No war. We long for this. And this baby comes offering peace. It's what the shepherd would bring according to Micah 5. It's what Peter says to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. You have found peace in this one called Jesus. And again, the, the peace is offered, but notice it is limited. With whom he is pleased. Joy is offered to all from the message, but peace is only given to those who respond to the message. Happy holidays, it works for everybody. Merry Christmas, it only works for a few who understand it's Christ in the midst of it all. The angels depart, and the angels, or the shepherds then, notice it says in verse 15, the angels left and they went back to heaven. The angels said to not one another, let us go. It's, not, it's rude to leave in the midst of a song. So here they go to Bethlehem, right? To see the thing that has taken place. And they locate him. There's no time to change clothes, take a bath. They don't even have time to purchase a baby gift. They just go. And the text tells us, it says, and I love this, they hurried off. It's the same phrase used of Mary when she went to see Elizabeth. And they located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in a manger. And listen to the next text. When they saw him. It's not about Mary. It's not about Joseph. It's about that baby lying in a manger. It is the shepherd they have longed to see. This is the child. This is the Savior. This is the Christ. This is their Lord. <laughs> and the, the shepherds aren't done here. After they've hurried and they saw him, they relate what they've told, they're telling others about this child. They're out passing out blue balloons. I mean, this is a time of celebration, right? I can just hear some of the town folks saying, hey, why aren't you watching the sheep? Some of those are mine, right? And, and I can hear them just saying, well, they can tend to themselves. We got the great shepherd who has just arrived. <laughs> There's one thing for certain. This can't be kept a secret. And all who heard it, the text tells us, were astonished at what the shepherds stated. They created a great response. It's contrasted. You know, Mary, it says here in the text, she hides us in her hearts, not the shepherds. They return, the text says, glorifying, come full circle, and praising God for all they have heard and seen. And the next line is very important. Everything was just as they have been told. If the angel was correct about where the baby would be found and how the baby would be found, then we must assume it is true, this is the Christ. Right? This is the one we have longed for. In caring for their sheep, these shepherds were trained to know where the essentials of life can be found. <laughs> and they have found the one who has promised to come, the shepherd of his people. This afternoon, the question is, do you know this Jesus? Is he simply a sweet little baby in a story that's rehearsed once a year that makes us all feel warm and fuzzy? 
Or have you come to recognize that he is the good shepherd who stated in John 10, I've come to give my life. I've come to lay it down. You come to recognize that apart from that, you would be unfit to stand before a holy God. (laughs) That peace, it's fleeting. You need a solution. And Jesus came to die on a cross. Why? To pay for our sins. Only the Son of God could have done this. John 3.16, a familiar verse, summarizes it so well. Only the Son of God says, for God so loved the world, excuse me, that he gave his only Son or his unique Son, that whoever believes in Jesus, that is the good shepherd, will not perish but have everlasting life. This is the peace that the angels declared This is the message that the shepherds proclaimed, and I would argue it's the shepherd we need to embrace. Corey Timboom, who you might know her story through the hiding place, states it so well. Who can add to Christmas? The perfect motive is that God so loved the world. The perfect gift is that he gave his only son The only requirement is to believe in him. The reward of faith is that you shall have everlasting life. Father, we come to you on this Christmas Eve and we rejoice. The promises of old given to David and the patriarchs that a descendant would come and reign It's no wonder that Matthew's gospel paints Jesus as a new Moses. This one leads us into a new exodus, a new deliverance. And we rejoice. Thank you for sending your son, our savior, our good shepherd, our Lord. And it's his 